I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. What is up, everyone? Hope you're having a fantastic afternoon. Mitch Harper, Michelle Bodkin with a new edition of the Rival Insiders here on kslsports.com, the KSL Sports Facebook YouTube and Twitter pages. We're all over the place here. And if you're watching live or if you're listening to the traditional format on podcast, we appreciate you as well. But the live streamers, you can chime in, weigh in with your comments as we break down week three or preview week three, look back on week two and and get a look at college football around the nation. Uh, Michelle, we're kind of getting in the grind of this now. The football season, we're, we're neck deep into it. We're learning a lot about these teams kind of a fun part of the year when we start to hit those routines yeah it's it's been interesting you know seeing how this team has kind of come together uh I think they're still trying to figure out the defensive end of the ball a little bit but all in all I feel like Utah is much further ahead than they were last year uh you know and and to be perfectly honest most teams do need to take, you know, a few weeks, no matter how good they are, to really just kind of get into that groove, really understand, you know, what it is they're going to be doing all season long. But I feel like Utah's in a good place. They've, they've got a lot of questions, I think, kind of answered. And now it's just about, you know, slowly working to improve some of those things that still need some improving. Utah defeated Southern Utah 73-7, to and BYU took down Baylor in a double overtime thriller, uh, 26-20. to And from that win, uh, BYU soared up the rankings to number 12. The Utes actually slid a little bit. I think maybe a byproduct was because of Florida losing. I it would be my read on that. Uh, Utes dropped to 14 this week. The BYU-Baylor game was pretty crazy. I'm not going to lie, Michelle. That was quite the atmosphere. Uh Big 12 after dark, maybe a little bit, but it was it was a lot of fun. The atmosphere was, uh, you know, uh, very intense, and people were excited, and BYU jumps out to a 2-0 start on the season, and, uh, you know, that, that it was a physical football game. I think the first couple of weeks, both of these teams have played some high-level, uh, big-time games that have put themselves on the national spotlight, and uh, it's been nice for the local teams to have those big of stages early in the season. Yeah, no, a lot of fun. I I know that you and I kind of privately talked about, uh, I think, the day after that BYU game. It kind of it was giving me Utah-Florida vibes a little bit. Obviously, the outcome was a little bit different. The home team, well, I guess technically the home team won. <laughs> for the Utah Florida game but like as far as state of Utah home team like sure. that team did not win uh but just really great entertaining games 
Uh, again, a lot of national attention, you know, people were paying attention and, and kind of seeing, you know, what we what we got going on here in the state of Utah. And, and the fact of the matter is, I think we have two very, very good football teams here. And, you know, we'll eventually see exactly how good they are, but off to a good start. And I've, I'm excited, you know, for some of the bigger games for Utah to kind of roll in here and to see where BYU goes, obviously, this week with Oregon. We've got two good FBS teams, really good. Uh, we've got one disastrous FBS team in Utah State who's an absolute dumpster fire. And we got a good FCS team. Uh, Weber State, give a quick sh- we'll give a quick shout-out to the, the, the fight in Jay Hills up in Ogden. Quite the win for them taking down Utah State first. I think FBS win in about 30-something years uh, for Weber State. But now we're looking ahead to week three. And you can follow, of course, all the action from both of us on Twitter, social media, Instagram, Bodkin KSL Sports on Twitter, Mitch underscore Harper for me, and then at KSL Sports on all the other social mediums. Uh, big week coming up, I think, for both teams. We'll start off with Utah, and then we'll get to the BYU one, uh, which is one of the few top 25 tilts in, in college football this week. Utah, number 14, Utah takes on San Diego State, 8 o'clock kick at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Revenge has got to be on the mind, Michelle, with the Aztecs being one of the teams that uh, handed Utah a loss last season. Yeah, oh, I cer- I certainly think so. I, I think Utah feels like, you know, they are a much better team than what presented, you know, last year. Uh, and, and it's such an interesting thing because San Diego State was really probably a big turning point in the season for Utah. They finally pulled the trigger. They put Cam in over Charlie Brewer. And, I mean, that game looked like it was absolutely, you know, kaput. Like, it it just didn't feel like there was any way Utah would come back, dig themselves out. And almost instantly, Cam Rising just gives them a little bit of juice. And... You know, they they start catching up and then they tie it and then they go through the the triple overtime thing. And that's just not at all what I was expecting that game to turn into last year. Uh, Like I said, it just it really felt like such a lost cause. And it didn't seem like one player in particular could make that big of a difference. Uh, But again, there is just something about Cam Rising that really resonates with this team and and they can kind of make the impossible possible. Uh, so I think, though, you know, Cam came out and said yesterday, and Dalton Kincaid came out and said yesterday, bottom line, it was still a loss. There there wasn't a moral victory there for them. Uh, so I think they're going to really want to go out and prove that they are the better team, and what better way than a night game at Rice-Eccles Stadium. San Diego State appears to be, uh, you know, a, a team that had the, a little bit of a flash in the pan. They brought back Brady Hoke. As the head coach, he got them to some great highs last year, getting the Mount West title game. I think they won 12 games a season mm-hmm. ago, including that victory over Utah. But it feels like they're kind of taking a step back a little bit this year. Utah comes in as a three-touchdown favorite against the four, former Mountain West rival. And once again, the Aztecs are completely one-dimensional. They're fourth nationally in rushing offense, but they're a non-starter when it comes to passing the football, 129th nationally in passing the football. That, to me, just screams that plays into the hand of what Utah, uh, their strength, stopping the run. I know there was some struggles at times against Florida, but uh, at the end of the day, against a group of five teams, this should play into the strengths of the Utes, I would think. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, it's it's kind of 
again, it's I, Utah's schedule is very favorable in the, in this from the standpoint that you know they really got to see where they were at against Florida, you know, for good or bad. And and to be honest, I think it was for the best, right? It was a close loss, opening game, chaotic situation. Uh, you know, a lot of teams, a lot of really good teams would have some issues, you know, perhaps in that game. So I don't think there's any shame as long as you learn from those situations. They had, you know, a game against Southern Utah. You expect that team to win, but it's really a game that you can go in and focus on fundamentals and really kind of cleaning up some of those things that cost you that Florida game. And now, of course, you're taking a little bit more of a step up in competition with uh, San Diego State and, and can kind of, again, just test where you're at a little bit more. The competition gets a little bit harder, but you still have to continue to focus on those little fundamental things that you need in order to be a better football team. Uh, so it's kind of just a nice tune-up game before they get into Pac-12 play next week. Yeah, because next week they've got Arizona State on the road. Arizona State's taking a step back, but that seems like Tempe's always caused, at times, some issues for the Utes in, in, in the Pac-12 era. And Oregon State is proving to be a, a very solid team this year. And then UCLA, that's October is a tough stretch yeah. uh, for Utah's schedule. It's really shaping up to be uh, a gauntlet of a stretch for the Utes in Pac-12 play. Utah going to be going for win number 80 in the Kyle Whittingham era at Rice-Eccles Stadium coming up on Saturday against San Diego State. Again, kickoff will be at 8 o'clock, and Michelle will have all the coverage on kslsports.com and her social media feeds at Bodkin KSL Sports. Staying in the Pac-12, BYU is going to be dipping their toes in Pac-12 play this weekend as they look to extend their winning streak against the league. I, I asked Kalani about that on Monday, and he's like, uh, haven't even thought about it. Uh, the 5-0 and streak, uh, not really interested in that. Uh, we haven't even thought about it. It's like, come on. I, I, I was there in you know L- you have. I was there in I maybe not Kalani because he's so diplomatic, but uh, the players for sure. I was for there sure. in L.A., uh, for BYU-USC last season, and I saw the players hamming it up with the fans that had Pac-12 champions signs. It, like it, it matters, and there's always been a little bit of tension between BYU and Pac-12 fan bases, and it's evident this week with the Oregon fans. Oregon fans are going in on BYU, more of the religion side, and you want to keep that kind of out of it, but hey, it's it's part of what comes with, with BYU rolling into town, and... Uh, uh, BYU and Oregon, though, one of the top games in the college football slate this weekend, week three, number 12 BYU versus number 25 Oregon. Kickoff's at 1.30 on Fox, and not FS1, it's Network Fox. Uh, pre-game will start on KSL News Radio live from Eugene. I'll get it going at 10 a.m. Uh, from Autzen Stadium. But this is a, a huge game for BYU. Michelle, I think uh, BYU, if they win this one, we might be talking about BYU going out of the, the first month of the season as an undefeated team because it eases up in the next two weeks. So this is a massive game for BYU. Yeah, it, I mean, it's another really big test. It's a really great opportunity for BYU to further establish that they are perhaps one of the top teams in the country this season. Uh, and, and some interest, there's, there's some interest there because honestly, I don't know how good Oregon is this year. They, they got absolutely rolled by the number three team in the country. And let's be honest here. Like, I don't think any of us expected Oregon to win that game. No. However, 
I expected them to put up more of a fight than they put up and, and they didn't, they weren't capable of doing that. And then of course, you know, they went in last week, played, you know, a similar type team to Southern Utah and absolutely rolled them. So how, how good is Oregon? You know, how, how are they going to match up with BYU? I feel like we have a better idea of where BYU is at than we do Oregon. Uh, I think BYU is a very solid team. They, they're going to want to get some of their players back. You know, not having Puka Nakua and, and Gunnar Romney, I think, limits their offense, even though they did find another young new receiver that looks very promising. You just want all your weapons available to you. Uh, and especially for a game like what's coming up with Oregon, because you're dealing with a very, very talented team. The question is, can they put it together and put together a good product? Oregon's lost four of their last five games against FBS teams, and two of those you know quite well. Uh, the, the losses <laughs> to Utah in the Pac-12 championship and in Salt Lake where Utah absolutely obliterated Oregon. And that's the thing that makes me kind of pause a little bit with the Ducks is that their talent, their recruiting numbers, the metrics there from a recruiting perspective, they're one of the most talented football teams in America, seventh mm-hmm. in the 24-7 sports team talent rankings. They've got five five-star recruits. Uh, 42 four-stars, and by comparison, BYU's 107th nationally when it comes to team talent, but I think BYU collectively has a maybe better program right now as far as simply the the identity and the chemistry, just kind of more intel about what Kalani Sataki has done. We don't know much on Dan Lanning yet, but uh, we're, but you know, the last few times Oregon has taken the field against anyone that's somewhat with a pulse. Yeah, with a pulse. There you go. Uh, they've gotten worked. So yeah. Uh, but I do think this is a game that uh, Oregon uh, will play a lot better uh, than, than what they showed against Oregon. BYU by no means is Georgia. I think BYU would struggle against Georgia. I think everyone in college football would struggle against the Bulldogs this year with the type of talent that they have. Uh, I just think that uh, there's there's some matchup uh, potential concerns there for BYU. I know Oregon's a little bit nicked up at the wide receiver spot. BYU's got uh, the ability to play a lot more man press in the secondary which is going to be something that's you know different. Usually you go on the road and BYU's playing five, seven yards off the line of scrimmage. That's not the case now. They feel like they got the personnel to go right up against the line of scrimmage and be very physical with the talent that Oregon has in this uh, matchup. It is interesting of note, too, this is a one-off game. There will be no return visit to Provo. Uh, Oregon's going to be paying BYU $1.1 million to pay this. So that would be... In the words of John Rothstein on the basketball sides, the epitome of brutality of Oregon's writing a check to BYU and BYU beats them in Autzen. BYU's done it before. They got a million-dollar payday to go to Nebraska, and they beat the Cornhuskers. So uh, maybe a little bit extra incentive for BYU to cash in a big, fat payday and and hand the Ducks a loss in in the process. I mean, Appalachian State did that last week to... uh... (laughs) <laughs> to Notre Dame, or no, not Notre Dame. That was Texas A&M. So, I mean, why Why not? Who do you think, circling back to Utah, San Diego State, as we transition into the picks, uh, Utah, San Diego State, uh, his final score prediction, or maybe just how do you see the game plan? What's your prediction? I think Utah's still very, very upset about dropping that game against Florida. I, I could see that being a huge motivating factor kind of, through the the rest of the the season, and you know, God God help whoever comes across their path. Uh, it, it really could be that type of thing. I still want to see 
a little bit more from their defense. And hopefully San Diego State can provide at least a little bit more of a challenge just to make sure that some of those issues are addressed. Uh, I, I still think Utah probably wins this game handily. I'm not really entirely sure how I feel about a score at the moment, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's, you know, like a 30-point game. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Utah maybe gets even up into the 50s. Yeah, this is a game that Utah should blow out San Diego State. I think offensively Utah needs to be completely Lights dominant uh, in, in this game. I think they will. I think they roll over San Diego State because I think Brady Hoke and that program are going to bottom out the way that they've handled uh, the Matt Ariza thing and, and, and the situation with uh, the sexual assault case, walking out of a press conference. It's just not a good look at San Diego State right now. I don't think that program is in a good place at the moment. I think Utah rolls convincingly. BYU and Oregon, again, kick off at 1.30. Pre-game starts at 10 a.m. on KSL News Radio live from Eugene. Uh, what say you on that game? I suspect that one's going to be closer. Um, again, I just I don't know what to make of this Ducks team. I, I have no idea what they're going to roll out against BYU. I'm confident that BYU is a good team. Like I, I have no qualms about that. I, I think they're good, and I think they're good enough to beat Oregon. I just don't know if Oregon's good enough to beat BYU. Uh, again, the potential's there potentials there uh you know they they have the talent and and all that kind of stuff but as we've seen like a bajillion times before talent doesn't necessarily equate to wins so I just I just don't know where Oregon stands I think this is going to be a great test I I kind of think it's it's like I said whoever wins it is going to be a close game probably three points maybe 10 points at most I I think that Honestly, right now, I'm picking Oregon to win this game. I think that or this, and it's not because of, I think it's going to be down to the wire. I think BYU is going to have a chance to win it late. I just think Oregon will get up for this game, and when their talent gets up for uh, a game, uh, I, I just think that they've got better overall talent. And I think that, I don't think BYU's sleeping on them. I think BYU fans a little bit are sleeping on Oregon because they're looking at Georgia and thinking, they lost by 46. Oregon is a joke. I don't. I disagree with that. I think Otson, too, can get pretty Otson's rowdy. Uh, not a sellout yet. Nowhere close to it. In fact, they had kind of a poor showing last week against Eastern Washington. But I think they'll show up well. BYU will have a nice contingent, too. I think the Ducks pull it off here. I predicted Oregon to beat BYU in the preseason. I'll stick with it now. I think I kind of get enamored with the star rankings. Like Noah Sewell and Morris, who chimes in on the YouTube feed, writes... BYU and Utah need to be keeping guys like Siaki Ika and Noah Sewell here in Utah. I agree. Noah Sewell, former Orem High star. He's fantastic. Uh, Justin Flo hasn't had the greatest performances, I think, in the first two weeks for the Ducks, but I I think they'll rise the occasion and do enough for one game. I don't think they're going to be winning the Pac-12. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they're just kind of an 8-4 and team, but I think on this one day, uh, they kind of rise the occasion. I think what makes me pause a little bit, though – Typical weak BYU guy, M. Morris say. I'm not. I'm not a typical weak BYU guy. I'm saying BYU loses in this one. That's that's what I'm saying. I just <laughs> it's what I'm saying. I, that's just what I. The BYU has the better quarterback. Bo Nix is not good at Oregon, mm-hmm. but I think the overall collection of talent at Oregon is better. Uh, and like I saw last year, BYU play USC. USC had a nice, a decent collection of talent. Not great, decent. They went blow for blow with BYU, who was banged up, I know. 
But BYU was a 10-win football team, and it took a down-to-the-wire finish. I've seen the, this play out many a times. Now, BYU, if they go in there and, and go and win in Autzen, you're setting the table. You're going to be undefeated going to Notre Dame. There's a lot on the line. BYU could be a top-10 team and be really a, a fast climber in the rankings if they win this one. But I'll say Oregon by a smidge in Autzen. we got to get to our Week 3 picks. Uh, college football has been crazy this season. Week two was nuts, a bunch of upsets. We each went five and three on our picks last week, uh, in large part because of some of the upsets. But I think we'll do better this week. We'll start it off with, let's go down to the SEC. We'll start off with the number one team, number one Georgia at South Carolina. Who you got? Uh, you know what? I, right now, to me, Georgia is the best team in the country. They just look flawless. They play a flawless game. I, I don't think South Carolina can pull off an upset. <laughs> yeah, Spencer Rattler, at, at some point, we got to say, how big of a bust is he? Like, he might just be damaged goods. I'm going to go with Georgia as well. Number six, Oklahoma at Nebraska. Scott Frost gone from the Cornhuskers. Does that give them a little bit of uh, a, a boost? We sometimes see that with interim coaches. It, it kind of leads an inspired group that's beaten up a little bit. They hung tight with Oklahoma last year. Can they do it this time? That's an interesting question. I I just feel like we talk about Spencer Rattler being damaged goods. I feel like Nebraska's damaged goods. Like they just it's just quite the fall from grace that they that they've had for a while and for whatever reason they just can't seem to recover and get that magic back that they had in the early 90s. Uh I, I'm going with Oklahoma on this one. Uh, this is my upset pick. I'm going with Nebraska. Ooh. I think Nebraska's offense actually looked really good last week against Georgia Southern. Their defense has been putrid. They were a t- they hung tough with Oklahoma last year. I think Oklahoma, I don't think they're going to win the Big 12 this year. I'm going with the Cornhuskers to kind of play inspired, a little bit of uh, motivation for the interim coach. I'm going with Nebraska to break through and pull off an upset. That would be... Uh, I mean, if the interim coach wins this one, might have the inside track at winning the job if they get this victory. But I'm calling for the Huskers to get it in Lincoln, uh, an upset. Number 22, Penn State at Auburn. Last year's game at State College, PA, was incredible atmosphere. All, a wide out. It, it was amazing. Down to the wire finish. Penn State feels like the better team, but uh, it's always tough to go down to the Plains in the SEC. Penn State, Auburn, who you got? You know what? I I think I will pick this one as a potential upset. I I think Auburn can maybe take out Penn State. I like that. At home. I like that. Uh, I'm going to go Penn State, but I feel like I, I don't feel comfortable with it because I don't like their quarterback, Sean Clifford. I mean, a six-year quarterback sounds nice on the surface, but it also means he's a guy that hasn't been good enough to – garner any attention from pro scouts Uh, they got a young freshman quarterback who probably should be the starter I'll say Penn State close though just because I feel like the toxic nature around Brian Harson and Auburn I don't feel like that guy will ever have any success but we shall see number 13 Miami at number 24 Texas A&M A&M is railing after that shocking loss to App State Miami was in a bit of a battle last week against Southern Miss and then in the second half pulled away who you got in this one you know what I I just I don't trust Miami's head coach and I just lost his name he was with the Ducks last year and obviously Utah yes thank you 
Uh, I just don't trust Cristobal as a coach. I think he's a great talent evaluator. I, I think he can find great talent. I don't think he can coach that talent, you know, worth anything. Uh, so I, I just don't, I don't think Miami's going to get it done. I think Texas a and is going to be pretty mad and embarrassed about that loss last week. And I think they're going to take it out on Miami. I like that pick. I, I will go Miami though. I think that Miami, uh, I just think that the quarterback issues at Texas A&M are a real problem. Haynes King, uh, it just, I'm shocked that Jimbo Fisher is having these issues, uh, at QB because he was once deemed the, the quarterback whisperer back in his days at Florida State molding Jameis Winston. Uh, those days are long gone. I'm going to go with Miami, Tyler Van Dyke, to go into College Station. If, if Texas A&M loses a second game in three weeks, and you're wondering all those boosters that pay all that money for these recruits, you think uh, that there's not much of an ROI suddenly when you're completely eliminated from the playoff immediately in week three. We'll go into the Pac-12 now, and I'll start off with this one. Fresno State at number seven USC. Fresno State's got a good offense. But number seven USC has been explosive on offense. They go into the Palo Alto last week and, and put up more than forty points. I think USC rolls. I've been high on them all along. I think they're only going to continue to get better. I think USC wins big. I have some questions about USC's defense. I'm not convinced about them. However, I do think overall they're just better than Fresno. I like what Fresno does. I think they play a really tough brand of football. I just think USC's offense will eventually wear them down, and and USC will come away with that win. Cal at 0-2 Notre Dame. Can Justin Wilcox get a big win for the Cal program that just feels like they don't have a pulse? They just don't feel alive out there, out in the Bay Area. Can Cal rise up and, and garner some headlines with a win over the winless Irish? They've played tough the last couple of weeks. Uh, I've been impressed, uh, and that's kind of been their MO the last little bit. They play tough. They just come up short. Uh, I don't think I don't think they're going to beat Notre Dame. I'm picking Notre Dame in this, but I, I can see this game being closer than maybe most people would think. I'll say Cal uh, because I think Notre Dame's now breaking in a new quarterback. Tyler Buckner's out. For four months, I think Marcus Freeman was a bad hire. Uh, I think it was a lot of emotion. Like, we got to maintain the recruiting class. They could have got Luke Fickle. He would have been a much better hire. You wouldn't be 0-2 right now if you had Luke Fickle. Uh, I think Cal makes this even worse situation for Notre Dame. Give me Cal. I think they break through. I don't trust Cal. But I think they're going to rise up because I think they're going to be pretty stingy. Uh, for Notre Dame, who's got quarterback issues now. Uh, last game for us, again, staying in the Pac-12, number 11, Michigan State at Washington. Very interesting game on Montlake. Washington has shown some improvement early on. I don't think Michigan State's just a more grounded, established team. I'm taking Michigan State, but that's another one that I could see maybe being a little bit closer than most would think. And these are the type of games, too, that I think can kind of rewrite the narrative a bit in the Pac-12. I mean, you got to have these games. BYU-Oregon, Michigan State-Washington. The Pac-12 kind of needs those games, you know? So I, mm-hmm. I, I would say I'm going to go Michigan State, though. I think they, they go into Washington. Still kind of young stages of Tim DeRuiter's rebuild because Jimmy Lake – ran that thing into the ground. It's going to take some time, but uh, this should be a pretty good game uh, at Husky Stadium. But that's going to do it for this edition of Rival Insiders Week 3. I hope all of you enjoyed it. Michelle, it was, uh, it's been fun. Uh, this is going to be a busy week again. B- BYU and Oregon in the, in the afternoon, and then 
uh, Utah and San Diego State in the nightcap. So throughout the day, we will have you covered on kslsports.com with all the latest on these two teams. And you can follow us on social media. Um, and uh, we will have, we'll be back next Tuesday as well here on Rivals Insiders here on the KSL Sports social media feeds. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.